We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast coming at you on a Wednesday in um, early August. We're not quite to the dog days of summer, but we're we're getting there. Um, obviously, we have Summer League going on right now, which is cool and exciting. Um, the Knicks play game tonight against the Los Angeles Lakers summer league team. And then um, they have a um, couple more scheduled summer league games after that, but who knows if they'll get some, some bonus summer league action like we did um, on Monday. Uh, I guess that remains to be seen. So still some, still some stuff. And then, um, you know, we will in probably about a week and a half, two weeks uh, get to the stage of, I guess what, all that's left of the NBA offseason, really. I mean, the, the NBA is it's kind of like the NFL now. And I, I guess some of that is attributable to the fact that, um, you know, last season, you know, had to go right into this season and this season or last season, I should say, had to go has to go right into next season. So the league can kind of get things back on track the way they like it, which clearly they do. Um, so, you know, I guess maybe that's not the case, but I mean, if you think about it, I mean, we're sitting here talking, it's, it's August 11th right now. Um, summer league is going to go, you know, if you include the playoffs, summer league is going to go for, or the summer league playoffs, rather summer league is going to go for another two weeks. That's going to take us to like August, probably 22nd. Um, and then, Camp opens on, I believe, September 28th around the league. So you're talking about, what is that? That's that's five weeks. That's not really much, um, which is crazy that, you know, pretty soon we're going to be talking about like camp battles and, you know, whatever else. It's uh, wild, wild, wacky stuff. Um, today's episode, we are going to catch up with one of uh, my good friends, one of a uh, one of uh, the guests that we've had many times on this show, uh, Chip Murphy. So Chip Murphy, you, you probably know from the uh, Nick State of Mind podcast, um, but he is also, as longtime listeners of this show will know, someone who follows the Orlando Magic very closely, far too closely for really, you know, anyone who considers themselves a a, uh, a healthy, happy human being, uh, but he does it, and I'll I'll save the reason why for when he um 
he comes on here and, and tells it. So he's going to talk to us a little bit today about uh, Evan Fournier, a guy obviously the Knicks signed who has spent the majority of uh, the prime of his career with Orlando. So we're going to get some some behind the scenes insight from uh, someone who actually cares about the magic. Um, you know, all credit to Chip for that. So that's going to be fun. Um, and uh, we'll touch on some other stuff too. Uh, in terms of Knicks news, I mean, obviously they won game two of Summer League. Emmanuel, quickly, thank you for showing everybody up who uh, dared to doubt you. Uh, we also had a bit of a, a roster, um, a little bit of a roster thing happen. The Knicks signed Dwayne Bacon. Um, love me some bacon. Uh, I'm actually, you know, I'm intrigued by Dwayne Bacon as a player. I don't think he's quite entered the, you know, Michael Beasley stage of his career in terms of like when we got Beasley, it was like, yeah, we we know what this guy is. Like, yes, we probably know what what Dwayne Bacon is, but um, I think back to my most recent conversation with um, coach uh, Charlton Young, uh, who coached Dwayne at FSU. And I'm not, I'm not sure if he, he, we had this conversation on the air or if we had it off air. I, I, if we had it off air, I don't think, I don't think he'd mind me sharing it, but it was basically like in terms of, you know, Bacon's kind of flaming out a little bit so far in the NBA. Um, I think it had a little bit to do with the situation that that he was in. So, you know, I wrote about it a little bit in um, Tuesday's newsletter. Started off, struggled as a rookie. Year two, he was super efficient. Um, He shared the floor with Kemba Walker. Um, It was his second season in Charlotte. Walker was still there. It was Walker's final season in Charlotte. Um, His efficiency numbers were really good. Didn't play all that much, but like, you know, he was... He was solid. He was coming along. Walker leaves, um, you know, gets gets traded to or or signs, I should say, with Boston. And then, you know, Bacon's numbers go into the tank. Um, and, you know, it's fair to say he was also on his uh, second coach by them because Steve Clifford had left and then they hired James Borrego. And then last season, I thought it was interesting that Bacon went to the Magic because Steve Clifford, who coached Bacon when he was a rookie, um, was the coach of the Magic. So I, I think it was, you know, it's notable that the guy who start who, who started out coaching Bacon was like, okay, I'm I'm cool taking a, a chance on this guy, and he actually played him. He played him in all 72 games. He started him for 50 games. I know it was for a team that was essentially trying to lose, but you know that's still not nothing. Um, Tibbs obviously has a good relationship with Steve Clifford. So I'm sure he spoke, uh, to him, you know, before they made this transaction. Uh, I look, it's probably nothing. Um, for all we know, Bacon has a non-guaranteed deal. He may not even make it through camp. Uh, they are as of right now, you know, one spot over or one, one over the, the, the roster limit. If you account for, uh, Vildoza, who is, you know, still here until further notice, uh, there were some reports that he was injured in the second summer league game. He only played four minutes. That would certainly explain that. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen with Valdosa. I have zero inside information on that. Uh, but you know, it it would not shock me if Bacon ended up taking that roster spot, especially with Deuce McBride looking the part in summer league through a couple games. Um, Emmanuel quickly making his case for maybe some, some, you know, third string point guard duties. Obviously Alec Burks is back uh, who we saw a man, the point for, for stretches of last season. Uh, I don't know. I mean, as a reclamation project, you could do worse with Bacon. Who knows how Vodosa feels about being a guy who's, you know, might see, DNPs more often than not. I mean, there's just, there's a lot of factors at play. And and again, we're talking about like the 12th, 13th, 14th guy on the roster, but you know, it, these things have a funny way of, of popping up and mattering before the end of the year. So I'll, I'll be curious what, to see what they do with it. Um, I think that's it. I don't really have anything else to say. Uh, some good content coming your way over the next few weeks. Uh, we're going to focus um, we got uh, Mike Vorkanoff of the Athletics scheduled to to come on and talk some hoops before he 
moves on to uh, greener pastures. He's staying with the athletic for anybody who didn't hear, but he's he's going to be covering the business of the NBA. So this is kind of a little going away present. His uh, his one of his final, you know, talks about about uh, Knicks basketball. I'll be happy to have that. So that's at the end of this week. And then next week, we got a couple really fun guests planned to uh, focus on Kemba Walker, um, people who have. Watched Kemba play a lot more basketball than than I have. So uh, we've actually already recorded both of those conversations. They are both a lot of fun. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Um, and then, yeah, we'll work our way through the end of August, September, and next season will be here before you know it. So um, I think that's it. Um, without further ado, here is my conversation with Chip Murphy. Joining me now on the Knicks Film School podcast, a definitely not first time, long time though. One of my one of my very first guests on the show. Um, I usually only um, force him to come on here and talk about his. It's not fandom. It's not Orlando Magic fandom. It's Orlando Magic expertise. Um, he usually only gets called upon when these two teams play. But the Knicks uh, made a significant free agent signing, so we 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 got him in here a little early. Um, and we'll have him on again, obviously, uh, on a regular basis because he's awesome. Uh, you have seen his words recently for uh, Knicks Fan TV. He's been doing some writing for for CP and the boys over there. Um, and he is, of course, the host of the Knicks State of Mind podcast. My main man, Chip Murphy. Hello, sir. John, you're too kind with that intro. <laughs> it's not kind much. enough because yeah. I, I drag you on here to talk about something having to do with the magic, which is like. That's asking a lot. Hey, I am, as you said, not a fan of the magic, but intrigued by the magic every year. We have, so we have to tell the story. It, 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 we're going to tell the story every time you ever come on this podcast. You were, you had, or are, I guess, a Duke fan, right? Yes. Okay. And rooted for J.J. Redick. Mm-hmm. J.J. Redick got drafted. Let's see if I remember this. I, did, I swear I did not look this up. Tenth overall? Oh, I think it was. T- I think you got that right. Yeah, did I get it right? I'm yeah. sure Andrew will look that up. Tenth um, overall by the Orlando Magic had some had some decent years with the Magic, and then Went to the finals. Right. He was he the fourth best player on that finals team? Fifth? fifth? Let's go. Let's go through it real quick. Dwight Howard, Jimmy uh, Nelson, Rashard Jimmy Nelson, Lewis. Rashard Lewis. So he wasn't top three. Definitely eleventh though. Eleventh. Okay. okay, so I was close. Um, so fourth, fifth most in player on a finals team. Let's. That's pretty yeah, nice maybe fifth because wasn't Turk on that team too? Oh, Turk was on that team. And am I imagining a Rafer Alston cup Ooh. of coffee? He not more important. Not more important than I don't know if he was even on that team, but not more important than Reddick. But he I he had some moments, I think. Um in any case. So you started watching the magic, and you still to this day, even though JJ Reddick is long gone, watch a lot of magic basketball, in addition to a lot of Knicks basketball, which we're gonna Keep keep going with the with the lineage here. Fast forward to this trade deadline. I had two people in my fucking ear every day. It's Chris Percy Einan and you. And you're like, come on, man. Get on board the 48. The 48 train. It's there. It's the people are coming on. They're coming on. They're coming on. There's not a lot of room left. Get on board while you still can. And I was I was like, listen, I'm going to wait for the next. You, you can go on your merry way. I'm going to wait for the next train to pull into the station. And you and you were unrelenting. I'll give you credit. You were unrelenting. And you finally came around, too. I heard you on the last or one of the last podcasts. You were like uh, not not like thrilled about the deal, but like ag- ag- agreeing with it. Like I was. Would, o- I get it. Yeah, I get it. It makes sense on paper especially if you watch the Knicks series against the Hawks. I think that uh, here's the thing, the, the part of me that's where well, that's uh, what we're going to talk about is mostly Fournier, but we'll get up to some other stuff too. So let's just get right into the Fournier discussion. You, you know, from our offline discussions, what my concerns were at yeah. the time, it was giving up real assets. And I, I'm sorry, I consider two second round picks in the hands of a franchise in which Brock Aller is employed by them. I consider them real assets um, for a guy that could walk in free agency. And guess what? He walked in free agency. He walked right here to the team that didn't need to give up two second round picks to get him. So but I would he of, have done that if it were traded to the Knicks? I mean, so wait, different so you're situation. Saying in an alternate universe, if he was traded to the Knicks, 
would he have stayed with the Knicks or would he, I, th- I mean, if he was here already and he ended up signing here, he yeah. probably would have would have stayed, stayed right? right? Yeah. So I, mean, I guess Boston my, was a bad experience. Yeah. I mean, Boston had no intention of re-signing him. I don't think and to that price. By the way, it's something that I'm shocked that we didn't go over this explicitly at some point, me and Jeremy, because he's very much in tune with the cap and everything. My understanding, and maybe you could shed some light on this. My understanding is that had it not been for Boston's tax issues, that there's a decent chance Evan Fournier would still be a member of the Celtics, right? Uh, yeah, I think they just didn't want to go to 18 mil a year. So they, I mean, which would have put them into the mm-hmm. tax. Yeah. Yeah. They're so focused on, uh, understandably, on a Bradley Beal trade or a trade for someone else like Bradley Or a Beale. signing next summer. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Or a signing of Bradley Beal. So, which obviously makes sense. But, and I guess they didn't want, <laughs> understandably, again, Evan Fournier to jeopardize something like that. But, I don't know. We'll see if that even comes to fruition. We know the Celtics history of teasing stars, but yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't think they ever really intended to go to big money with Fournier. And I think that the fact that Danny Ainge traded for Evan Fournier instead of Brad Stevens may have had something to do with that. I think that there probably That's wasn't true. like some sort of attachment with Brad Stevens to Evan Fournier. And so also I, we should say Boston has, two pretty good starting wings. I mean, I guess in theory, there's a world where they could have. No, no, no. I, I, I was about to say in theory, there was a world where they could have gone super small and started all three of Fournier, Brown and Tatum, but that's, you can't start those four guys. Maybe you go to that line. And I'm sure they did go to that lineup at times, but that's not a sustainable starting five, you know? Yeah. They probably didn't want to pay him $18 million to be a sixth man to come off the bench. Exactly. Yeah. Although I do think he'd be a great sixth man. I think that is his ideal. He maximized. He could be like sixth man of the year. I think he'd be great at that. I think that is his ideal role in the NBA, which is, again, part of the reason I was a little bit trepidatious at the time. I also, and as I said this on the last podcast, I'm not going to repeat myself. I like the chemistry of this team. I wanted to see this team, meaning the this year's version of the Knicks, kind of see it through with whatever was going to happen with them and, and then go from there. Um what I'm curious about with Fournier, and this is what I really want to pick your brain about, because my, I think the thing that I never appreciated is when, especially, you know, because his regular season numbers were good. I mean, if anybody wants to look up the number, I mean, the numbers are what they are. You can't, there's really nothing. What, what bad thing can you say about his regular season numbers? He got, you know, three, four assists a game. He was efficient, scored a lot of points. Like what, what complaints were, were there really? Like he took some bad shots, right? Yeah, he took bad shots. He did take some bad shots, but what do you say? They asked him to do a lot. So that's the thing. How much? To, talk to me about how much did the Magic really ask him to do over the majority of, of his time in Orlando? He had the ball in his hands way too much. He was asked to be the second best player on a team, and he's he's not the second best player on a team. Like it's you go to the the Evan Gordon thing. You look at the Evan Gordon, Aaron Gordon thing yeah. when he got moved to Denver. He was used to being like the third best player on a team. He gets moved to Denver. He's the fifth best player on the team. He never has the ball in his hands. He's cutting all the time. That first game, he has like three dunks. It's like, <laughs> I remember has, that. He has no idea what's going on. He's like, am I in the dunker spot? What's happening right now? It's like, it's just, it, it was incredible. to watch. I think Fournier is, I don't know if he's better off the ball, but he is, he, he is good with the ball in his hands. They j- just to a point. Like he's not a he's not a primary ball handler, and at times they made him a primary ball handler, and they did the same thing with Aaron Gordon. Yes, he he's just yeah. And that was the thing with Gordon because the comps you remember as well as I do the the comps for Gordon coming out of college were like he's gonna he's Blake Griffin, right? Yeah, which he was was not Blake Griffin. (laughs) Yeah, and they tried to make him into a small forward because of it too. Which was and and so that leads me to the other thing is. Those magic teams, and again, it was what three, three straight first round outs, or am I adding one? It was a two straight, two straight, and they missed this year, and they missed they this, year, but, this year. But yeah. so, well, I mean, Fournier brought the first round out streak with him uh, to Boston, <laughs> which I'm sure the Celtics fans appreciate. But like, um, those teams never had the proper spacing because they could never figure. I mean, basically, from the moment they drafted Isaac, I, and I know Isaac's obviously been hurt a lot, but the spacing was always crap. And I don't even, I'm even trying to think like, 
Who was the best point guard he played? I mean, well, I, I want to get to Kemba in a bit because I know you just wrote a piece on Kemba, which I thought was really good. Um, who was the best point guard he played with in Orlando? Fultz. Jesus Christ. I don't think it's close. I think DJ was good. but I DJ think had some nice moments. He had one really nice year. He had not this past year, but the year, the year that got him paid, basically. Unless there's someone, unless there's someone I'm not thinking of, no, you realize I, I. You realize who he spent a majority of his time playing with, right? Who? Elf. Oh my god! <laughs> this poor man. <laughs> this poor, poor man. So this, uh, you're really making you. I didn't think it would be happen this quick. You're making me feel really a, a lot, a lot better about this. So he was asked to have the ball in his hands. I asked to create a lot, and we know as we just saw in the playoffs with the Knicks, you can finagle, especially with good coaching. And um, Steve Clifford, obviously excellent coach, and he's been um, with the Magic. He was with the Magic for two years, right? Uh, three. Well, three, because he was with them this year, too. Okay, so, yeah. so, he, so Fournier had Cliff as his coach for two and a half seasons, essentially. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, he did. Which makes a lot of sense because um, Cliff comes from the school of Van Gundy, just like Tibbs does, in which you are going oh, yeah. to your teams are going to outperform their talent level during the regular season. And you're going to figure out a way around your issues during the regular season. Come the postseason, you know, there's only so much pixie dust in the in the in the bag that that stuff runs out. Cliff loved Fournier. The whole selling at the deadline, like selling Fournier and Vooch, that was like what motivated Cliff exiting Orlando. Oh yeah, he didn't. He didn't like that. He was out after that. I wonder where he goes. By the way, I know he's he's probably going to sit out this year, like Tibbs yeah, sat out. He's sitting, but I'm I'm sure he'll get another job. He has a lot of friends. Is he still healthy? I, I know there was a health thing with him there for a bit. He did have COVID at one point too. Oh, that's what I thought. He had yeah. something else where he was. Like, I think he had something else too. Yeah, yeah. it was. So I want. I, I don't know. I, I mean, it's, he's seems like an awesome guy. I love listening to him. He was great on the uh, one of the yeah. finals post post pods with with Woj mm-hmm. and Lo. Um, whatever. Getting off topic. So no. I think Clifford. It's. It seems like he hit a lot of that that stuff. And then you know when you get into the playoffs and who they lose to, they lost to the world champion Raptors. That much I remember. And then who they lose to? They lost to the Bucks in the bubble. Bucks crushed them, except in that that first game. Fr- yeah. Well, the magic, the game one magic. They always <laughs> come out to play in game, in game one. Game Vooch one. was Vooch was incredible in that Bucks series, <laughs> but no one else was good. In the no Bucks one else. And, for, and, and for, look, the numbers for forty eight in those series, like they, they don't lie. Like the, the numbers are not good. Oh, um, bad. They're very bad, you know, yeah, but again, they, they keyed in on him in the playoffs and he's a guy when it's like JJ Redick when he would play on the Clippers and they would key in on him in the playoffs. And he's a guy, if you key in on him, yeah. then he gets shut down. And Fournier is that kind of guy too. Like he's not a, a top option, but the, the key or the hope is he comes to the Knicks where he's not one of the two best players and, or even three, if Kemba is Kemba. Well, then he's not being keyed in on in the playoffs. Let's so let's talk about so Kemba. Well, whatever. We'll, we'll transition to Kemba and we'll go back to Fournier. So you just wrote about Kemba and you had a stat that I haven't honestly. This week has been insane. I haven't had a time yeah. a, a ton of time to to look at a, as as much stats on Kemba from last year. But you had in here. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. That he shot. 40, yeah, 45% on wide open threes last yeah. year. I always look at the the wide, whenever we sign someone, I always look at wide open threes to see how they shoot when they're going to get like spacing and all that. And yeah, I was shocked by that because I saw Prez's tweet yes. about how he had like the worst spacing ever. So I wanted to see what he shot when he had wide open shots. And I was like, okay, yeah. if Maybe if he gets some spacing, this will actually improve and he'll shoot like significantly higher than league average. So We'll see. So this to me, because where because Kemba, as um, you may have, I'm sure you noticed this at some point. His when I was, I only looked on synergy, and I was looking in his his isolation stats last year were were not good, which Mm. makes makes sense because when he was really, I think the the down and I did not watch a lot of Boston basketball. Maybe you did. I I, um, I'm gonna we'll have some other guests on in the next couple weeks that I think we'll be able to speak to this more than we can. But my, my impression just from 
reading about the team occasionally and hearing others talk about the team is there was not a ton of ball movement. It was ultimately like, okay, Jalen, you're going to create here. Jason, you're going to create here. And then Kemba, when he was healthy, like you're going to create here. And like, they never, they never developed that synergy where it seemed like the, the rising tide lifted all, all ships. So now here in New York, I, I think the thinking is that, both for Fournier and for Kemba being not only with each other. And I know their offensive rating on Boston was, was very good, but being with Julius and knock on wood year three, RJ Barrett, <laughs> where are you on the Barrett on, on the Barrett scale of, of the hype scale? I love RJ. Do you like, love, you, okay. like you said earlier, I'm a Duke fan. So I'm very biased. Oh yeah, RJ. of course. Yeah. I can't even ask you that question. Yeah. Dismiss everybody listening. I'm sorry. Dismiss <laughs> dismiss Chip's opinion. Is he up there? Who, well, he only was with at Duke for one year. Reddick was there for four years. So is Reddick's your favorite Dukey? I'm assuming he is. Reddick is my favorite. I I would say Reddick. Like Trajan Langdon is. Uh, I like Trajan Langdon a lot. Trajan Langdon. But I, I think Reddick, like Jay Williams, used to be. Jay Williams is starting to fall out of favor. He's kind of a pain. Yes, but uh. I, I like him better than Richard Jefferson as far as that role of like ESPN former player talking head guy who like isn't quite full skip Bayless, but also you have to take everything is like they're not he, he, neither of them are perk, but like I don't like he's always on the Knicks though. I don't like that. They're he's all one, they're all always on the Knicks. Yeah, but he's they, you know. he's zeroing in on him a lot. Like yeah. more more than even I know. more than perk, I think. Really, perks. I don't know what perk. perk perks perk. Um, okay, so Jay, but so RJ is is on somewhere on the list. Um, yeah. Well, so anyway, I don't know that I want to say like RJ Barrett is the key to to New York success last season, but just like I'm trying to imagine a world where imagine a world where he comes out, RJ comes out next year, and this would put him a year ahead of schedule because Jalen Brown this past year was year, I believe that was year. Four four of Jalen Brown. It was a year four or year five of Jalen Brown. I'm, I'm losing track. I'll look it up. Um, but like Jalen Brown this past year came out and was like, oh, okay, this is the guy that we've been like fully waiting for for a couple of years. And he put it all together. He was like in the All-NBA conversation for like part of the season. So this was your, this was your five Jalen Brown. So this would be way ahead of schedule for RJ Barrett. Um, but like if he could come out and do some like semblance, make some semblance of a jump that, that Brown made um, even two years ago, because two years ago, uh, Brown averaged 20 points a game, like, and kind of slot everybody else in. And the Knicks have like this weird big four where like Julius is still number one, but like your number, you know, and RJ is kind of like number two, maybe with Kemba and like Fournier is number. I just want to see how that works. And I just, I'm trying to imagine how those pieces fit together. And it's exciting, but it's also a little nerve wracking because I just I don't know because we haven't seen it. Yeah, a big part of the Kemba signing working and the Fournier signing working is whether or not RJ gets better next year. Like I don't think I don't think any of it really. Maybe it's a bit of exaggeration, but I'm not sure any of it really matters unless RJ gets better. Yeah, like if he stays the same guy, yeah, then it's then the Knicks don't improve from their win total last year. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So Walker is the... If Walker... And I'm not expecting this. I, I, I don't even want to say this out loud. But just could you imagine if Walker went back to forget two years, forget, oh, forget two years ago when he was 25 in a game. Yeah. Well, 25, he was, I think he led the league in like usage rate. I'm he pretty sure that's team all NBA. Yeah. He was third team all NBA. He, he was, he absolutely dominated every aspect of that team. That team sucked was that team was terrible. And he was still like efficient. He scored. He had the ball all the time. Forget like that guy. That was probably a once in a, that's a career season for a guy like Kemba. But even the guy that we saw in Boston two years ago, um, which is, by the way, as you wrote um, expertly, is the guy we started to see towards the end of the year in Boston. Like if even if we could get a version of that guy and RJ takes even a mini leap, that still slots Fournier into a role that I don't think he's ever been in before other than maybe last year in Boston. Right. No. Yeah. He's never been able to play a role in his like once he hit and got comfortable playing in a kind of his prime basketball career. He's never played a role that he's been comfortable in. Like I said, it's the Aaron Gordon thing. He's never been comfortable playing in ba- in his basketball career, really. I think he would have, if he stayed in Boston, I, he barely played in Boston. I think if he had played more in well, Boston. COVID and then. Yeah, yeah, but he, yeah, the COVID. I think he would have gotten comfortable there, but things were such a mess there too. It was so, and like you said, with the offense, it was so weird. Like things were like, okay, Tatum, you go, Jalen, you go. And it felt like, like we had Boston people on the podcast and they were like, it just feels like Tatum just doesn't really trust anybody on the team except Jalen Brown. So he doesn't really pass to any of them. So it, it, it was just weird that that whole thing. But yeah, I think he'll, I think he'll be great on the team, obviously. And coming into a role that he's much more suited for, for the first time in his career, I think he's going to be good. And he gets to play off the ball a lot more. Yeah. I know it's not sexy or anything, but he's a great cutter. He's great off the ball. Ran a <laughs> lot of handoffs with Vooch. And I think like if if Mitch is willing to just turn around and wait until someone comes to him and just hands the ball to him, he's going to get a lot of assists like that. <laughs> like very easy assists. I'm I'm excited for all of I mean this <laughs> diversity is not a word that we've associated with the Knicks offense no. for well the Knicks at all. Um, for a very long time, I wouldn't describe their offense last year as diverse. I think their offense was functional, for, which is also not a word that we could associate with them for a long time. But they like they knew what they were doing. You knew more or less what you were going to get from the Knicks every night. They they took the floor last year, um, including, as I've referenced many times, that five to ten minute stretch of game action where you're like, oh, my God, they're not they're just not going to score any more points ever again for the rest of the year. And that's the other thing that like. I, but, but then to me, it could go in one of two directions because on one hand you have guys like, again, like Fournier, like Kemba who have experience as like, okay, I'm the, I am the guy who at the end of the shot clock, I get the ball and I'm just going to create something out of thin air. I don't want to see that as much. I want to see in the other direction of like, it really is becomes one of those things where the whole becomes greater than the sum of the parts. And I think I don't know, man. I'm kind of hopeful because I feel like does Fournier have like a good basketball IQ? Because he he seems like he does. He definitely does. He like like we were talking about earlier. He tends to take some bad shots at times, but I think he. But do you think those are out of out of necessity, or do you think though, or he felt like our offense is what it is anyway? I'm you know. Do you know what I'm? You know, getting at yeah. You know, I think so. Yeah, like 
when other than when Terrence Ross was on the court, it was kind of like, well, if Vooch isn't going to shoot, who else is going to shoot? So, and <laughs> so I, I think that's kind of the feeling he had. And he would look, don't get me wrong. He took some really bad shots and pissed off magic fans. I think when he did it and understandably, did he really? yeah, I think he did, but that was more because they wanted to see young guys play ahead of him, I think. And okay. which was, which was understandable, but I think he has a very high basketball IQ. If he didn't, Steve Clifford wouldn't like him as much as he did. And Steve Clifford loved him. So, and that's, that says, that honestly says as much to me about him as, as anything. Yeah. Um, did you watch a lot of the, the Olympics with him? I did watch some of it. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's smart. I mean, he, he plays well in the Olympics because he's a smart guy. It's just amazing to me how these guys who are like, even like with Manu, Manu's a Hall of Fame player. I, I personally, I think he's a Hall of Famer, even if yeah. the Olympic stuff didn't happen um, because of the championships. And, you know, he did make some all-star teams. But like, it's just amazing to me that these guys who are like, I don't know, what is, what is Fournier top out at? Is he the is he the 50th best player in the NBA? Is he 60th, 70th? I don't know. He's like somewhere in that range, right? Yeah. Um, and yet for like one game on the floor against the best you know, team, you know, assembled, he could look, he could look like the best, well, second best guy because Durant was still out there. But like, it's just amazing to me. But he has that in him. And not everybody has that in him. Patty Mills can do, can go and score 40 points. It's amazing. Um, it's unreal. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I've always liked Patty Mills as a player, which is yeah. why I hate that he's on the Nets because I have to, <sighs> like, I can't root for Patty Mills anymore. Um, I, the other thing I wanted to just touch on, just on from an X's and O's, not really X's and O's, but like, I'm wondering because while, while Fournier was again, clearly not someone who should be directing an offense. If, if you want your offense to be good. Um, I'm still intrigued by the notion of him as kind of like, I don't know how they're going to mix and how they would mix and match this, but him playing with some backups against other backups, um, you know, with a guy like Obi Toppin, even something like with him and Emmanuel quickly, like, I'm just like, I'm curious how that looks like. I don't even know that he's ever played with another guard. Like I guess Terrence Ross is kind of the closest thing to an Emmanuel quickly type player he's played with. Right. Yeah. Something he's never really done is play against backups. He's been a, a starter his whole career in Orlando. Anyway, you're right. So yeah, Terrence Ross is really the closest thing to an Emmanuel quickly type who's, and he's not really an Emmanuel quickly type. He is in the sense that he's a gunner and he's going to yeah. shoot he every single time. He, yeah. Every single time he touches the ball, Terrence Ross is going to shoot. But that's his role. But, yeah, I guess, uh, do you want to say Cole Anthony is an Emmanuel quickly type? Because he did play with Cole last year. He did play with Cole. Yeah. I'm used to seeing Cole Anthony's name come up because anytime you order, uh, I know you're like me and that you spend way too much on like time on stats pages. Yes. Anytime you order last year's statistics by like players who reached a certain minutes threshold and like took – had like a certain usage. Like Cole Anthony was essentially like the worst shooter in the, yes. in the league. Oh he, God. He yeah. was not good. And, but again, that's who Fournier had to play with for, for most of, most of the year. Um, uh, so yeah, I don't know. It's, it, you know, what's strange about it is because, and that's, I'm curious what your thought to me, this Nick team is so um, again, not a word that I, I have associated with them a lot in the past, but there's so it's, everything seems like it's in such order. Like it's so organized. Like it's very clear. Like this is our starting five. This is our backup five. And then these are our other five guys who, you know, maybe if the situation presents itself, like they could get in. Um, and like, you got Fournier in that like swingman role. Um, and then behind him to me is, is Alec Burks. Who's kind of like, you know, he's kind of a little bit like a poor man's Fournier. I mean, I, you watched, I know as much Burks as I did last year. So it's like, I, I don't know when there would be an opportunity for, for Fournier to run with the second unit, especially since Tibbs does kind of like to keep his rotations a certain way. But then again, you know, he mixed it up with Derrick Rose last year. Was that had a lot to do with Alfred Payton? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I really, if sitting here now, two months away from like where the start of like training camp, even if there's one wish that I have, it's that for like Tibbs to like mix it up a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean, but I feel like Tibbs is Tibbs, isn't he? After all this time, do we really do we really think that he's gonna change now? And like, <laughs> and like me and yeah, yeah Andrew I just Andrew just said thank you, and yeah. like Andrew was on 
our podcast and we were talking about like Obi potentially playing the five and it was Oh, like, this is Andrew's thing. Yeah. Andrew, yeah. can you get get on here? <laughs> Unmute your mic for a second. You I if uh-huh. if if there ever is actually a stretch where like Obi is playing regular minutes at the five, not significant minutes, not like 10, 20 minutes, like just five minutes a game at the five. What do you I'm going to make you never forget it? Deal. Do you actually think that's going to happen? Jim? Thank you. <laughs> okay. Hold on. <laughs> let's, let's look at the evidence. We have uh-huh. one, we have one summer. We're recording this. I should say at 1243 on, I've lost track of days Monday. So the Knicks are going to uh, play a summer league game in uh, an hour and 17 minutes. Um, we saw a little Obi at the five in the first summer league game. If that is an evidence of what's going to happen, the regular season. <laughs> you know who we saw equal <laughs> amount of minutes at the five in the summer league game, Jericho Sims, who will also That's not true. be playing significant yeah. minutes at the five this year. Uh, I, I just, you, know, you want to know what actually has to happen for Obi to play minutes at the five this year. So what? Mitch has to, to die. Get, well, Mitch has to get hurt again. Yeah. Taj has to retire. Uh, Noel has to get traded. Randall decides I don't want to play the five. Um, Joe Kim Noah, because you know, Tibbs is going to make him a call, is going to decide, you know what? I'd rather not play for the Knicks again. How does and that work? Then, He's still on the payroll, Can- I, which is funny. So, what would he just take his stretch salary and come back and play for that? I, w- I don't think that's how it works. <laughs> Regardless, I, this is cap or no cap, the Joe Kim Noah plan. Um, <laughs> This is where and look, it's nothing against Obi. I think you and I think the fit would be great. It is just good about five again against guys who are going to be getting groceries in a few weeks. Bingo. Again, I just don't think Tibbs trusts like a guy like that to be his center. He needs a guy that protects the rim. He needs a guy that is the back line of defense and nothing that Obi has shown so far <sighs> says he can guard fives like that. I'm not saying with time, it would make more sense. I'm not saying in a lineup that's much smaller. I'd much rather see Obi and Randall be your two big men with three shooters on the floor. It's just simply you go with who's in charge. And I'm trying to fit what's in that spot. And right now it's Tibbs. Yeah, I I, I get it. I I don't know. I just. I think we did it, Chip. Yes. I admire. (laughs) I admire from afar these other teams and organizations who, and again, putting the cart before the horse, horse get to the playoffs and like maybe even win a round or something. And then they get into a particular series and they're like, all right, we're going to do this thing now that you haven't seen and you haven't prepared for it, but that we're ready to do. And like, I don't know, maybe we need to win a playoff series for that to happen. I, I don't. Uh... I think the hope with Tibbs is that it's similar to what happened with Atlanta where Capella was such a force on the floor that yeah. other teams had to adjust. To, and this is where you you're really happy that Mitch is only here for one point eight, because that if he has this one healthy season, that could be a difference maker, you know, and then, you know, who knows what happens? I, yeah. I really think there's a world where Tibbs focuses on the three centers that he loves and will play more. And then Ovi, like. I mean, this is not to bring back the Colin Sexton conversation, but this oh. is why we were like, listen, the only way he plays is if Randall gets hurt and you don't want to make roster decisions based off of, well, he might get hurt. Guy that played most minutes in the NBA last year. So we haven't we even checked in on the Colin Sexton, man. I wish a lot, I wish a lot of words that? on Colin Sexton. I, <laughs> John and I had a full 20 minute fight. We Jeremy did. did a 90 minute pod like and then it no. just went away. I don't, you know, I wonder if that was ever really a thing. Chip, do, is this, is I, that got out, like it got out, right? So the first thing is like the Knicks, I, I still think the Knicks are pretty good at keeping things tight, tight lipped. The yeah, fact that, that the Cavs, Cavs thing, that was a Cavs. That was a right? Cavs thing. And it sure yeah. seemed like the Cavs were trying to drum up it like, hey, we're, you know, we might give them away for this to this, to this team over here. Other 28 teams, you're not going to let, you know, Leon Rose steal Colin Sexton, come make us an offer. And guess what? Nobody made them. Yeah. The and, and other other teams called Leon Rose and he was like, no, I don't want him. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you want Colin? I, I would have been in on it. Like if the price really was Obi Toppin and Kevin Knox, which I'm not Seven, sure it was that low. I'm telling you, Chip. 
John, I don't know if we just didn't know that he's got a top and relative in his family that like they met during the summer. And that do you John not loves- watch the summer league game? All of the moves, the moves, Andrew, the moves. So, Where, so where's the path ahead, to Sharon. him playing? Not even that. He's talking about summer league. Let's go back to summer league 2018. <laughs> Oh God, Kevin See, Knox. <laughs> this is just this is disingenuous. Very different players. Very uh, very different players. Different I agree. Players. I'd love to keep Obi. It was just simply like if he's a backup. That is yeah. Where I am on Obi Toppin. I think if if Randall didn't just extend for four years, there's a path to like we'll stash yeah. him for now and make Randall earn his next contract. But he didn't even do that. Can I can I go on a very quick rant? I, I like how we've gotten completely off topic. That's okay. Yesterday on yesterday on the broadcast, literally for the entire first half and maybe even part of the second half, whenever Obi Toppin got the ball, um, the and I think it was for Shilla, maybe it was the other guy. I don't know. I lost track of who was who. Was like you know, really got to earn rotation minutes this year. The Knicks all of a sudden you know log jam at the front court, and I'm like. The exact same people who were there last year are here this year. And guess what? Here in minutes last year, do you think Tibbs was giving him most minutes because he felt bad for him? Like, no, he, you know, if you paid it, I, it just annoys me when, like, if you're an announcer that doesn't watch a team regularly and you don't really know how to talk about it, just don't say anything. Like, say I, what you, you know. I think that, what, Chip, that would go back to two years ago when everybody thought Taj Gibson was a power forward. And it was like, oh, the Knicks signed all these power forwards. It's like, well, Taj is the backup five. You know, yes, Bobby Portis would be the four, but like Marcus Morris is a three. Marcus Morris, yeah, yeah. Like, so where's the seven forwards that we signed? Yeah, I, I think that's like you said. There's a reason those guys were doing summer league games, and Mm -hmm. this is their and Frischel is a college guy too. He's Frischel's guy. Yeah, I did appreciate though. He was saying, I don't know how many. Again, I don't know how many. I lost track of how many times he said it, but um. With uh, Jericho Sims, he, he he made sure we knew. I've watched this guy. Yeah, in the big oh, time. I've man, watched he was him really high on Jericho Sims. <laughs> I, I I did. I'm not gonna lie. I did go back this morning and read uh, read uh, Sam uh, Vicini's, uh profile in the Athletic of, of Sims that he wrote before the draft. He had Sims 46th on his board, which is you know that's. I mean, he went 58th. He had 46. Looks, I don't know. I, I like Jericho's. Um, all right, let's uh, let's finish up. I want to. I, I have to pick your brain for a second about the Magic because I know you're never going to be able to. You can't quit them. Um, I I think they really um, stepped in shit here uh, in in a good way with uh, getting Suggs. Um, I don't know how much time you spend on like magic, like message. Are, are there still message boards out there? Whatever magic, like Twitter, Reddit, um, Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, are there still message boards out there? Uh, Reddit, there? I guess. Reddit. Sure. Reddit message boards. Um, is, is magic nation. Like we got the next, I don't know who's this. I don't know if his comp is like Brandon Roy, I guess I've seen thrown around like some other guys, but like, are they super hyped about this kid? Oh yeah. I mean, they're, because they weren't psyched about losing out on Jalen Green. That was the guy they really wanted. So they were bummed when the when they fell. But okay. I mean, how could you not be excited about the draft that they had? Um, I, yeah, I don't know. As I don't know, uh, they got uh, Suggs and, and Wagner, which I, I don't I don't really know what to make of Wagner yet. I, I'm a little worried that he didn't shoot it well at Michigan. But yeah, I think they. Like they lost Vooch and they came away with a big. So you're taking your shot there, I guess. And he's like seven feet tall. So, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. So it's good. Yeah. But I mean, the the fact that a guy like Suggs just falls into your lap. And when the conventional thought was they were going to take Barnes and take another wing that couldn't shoot. What a nightmare that would have been. (laughs) Like, (laughs) thank Um, God Suggs fell to them. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. No, I, I shouldn't say. So somebody reached out to me and said something to me on draft day that had nothing to do with the Knicks, but it was about the Magic and and Barnes and like just. Um, it, I will just say it if if what I was told was true, the I'm sure they were doing backflips that Suggs fell to them at five, um, which should surprise nobody because Jalen Suggs is awesome. I think they are in a super enviable position, and I would be excited if I was a Magic fan. Um, Although I guess if I was a Magic fan, I'd probably live in Orlando, which wouldn't be excited about that. 
Um, Golden Corral. You up for a little Golden Corral run, Andrew? Have you ever been to the Golden Corral? Yeah, there was one right off campus when I was living in Virginia. That I used to go there when I lived in Virginia, like during okay. the, during the holidays. And I would be stuck working retail in Virginia when everybody else went home for break. And oh. the only place that was open was Gold Corral. Golden Corral. <laughs> so. it's, like, it's like the Peter Luger of Orlando. Sure. Oh, God. Listen, you have all kinds of buffets. It's great. Anyway, I so, so I wouldn't be psyched about living in Orlando for that reason. But I would be psyched about the basketball team because I think looking and we kind of touched on this. And me, Andrew and I are going to be doing a pod in a few weeks in which we're going to go through um, all the 30 teams for uh, the KFS Patreon. Um, I don't think there's a lot of teams who are going to tank this year. And I'm not saying the Orlando Magic are going to are like there's so many different definitions of tanking out there. But like they're probably going to lose a lot of games, right? They are going to lose, but I don't think they're going to try and lose on purpose. That, like, I, they're not going to tank yet. Like, they are – like, tanking would be if they, like – I don't know, if they well, sat, what, what, sat Orla- Terrence what, Ross when he was uh, healthy. I was yeah. about to say what OKC did last year with Shane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is the – change the textbook definition of tanking mm-hmm. because that's the new one. That's yeah. the more fitting one. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's interesting because OKC – like was decent when they played all their guys. Like, I mean, they weren't good, but they like, you know, they beat the Knicks, um, you know, early in the season. Like I think SGA is going to want to now like play all those games. So like, who's really going to be tanking the Rockets? Probably. Um, the like, like literally like the Cavs, I think are going to try to win games. The Pistons just got the number one pick in the draft. I think they're going to like, let him play. But like, if Cade's good, Cade's good. Like who else is really going to be trying to lose games? I don't really see another team. Who else should be really I, after? Yeah. Well, I mean, you could. Yeah, no, I get, but that, but that's the interesting thing is because you would look at teams like the Pelicans, the Kings, the Wolves, those teams, maybe it, in a different world would be like, okay, we, we could use another high draft pick, but all those teams have young players with like quote unquote, like star pedigree that they like Darren Fox, Zion, you know, cat, like they need to keep those guys happy to try to win games. So like not any of those teams, um, I guess the Spurs, the Spurs could, Ooh, are the Spurs a stealth tank team? That might be one. They probably should, but they won't. They won't. Yeah. No, No, I agree with you. Um, How much money did they give Zach Collins again? Yeah. Oh my God. What a great agent. That's Bartlestein, right? I think it was Bartlestein. I don't even listen. Kelly Uber Jr.'s agent. Uh, oh, yeah. He's Harris the best today. one. He's the he's, 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 he's still wins. working. He's still saying he's getting off was getting offers from other teams. Dude, the tweets. And I, I this is no shade against who was it? Ian and, and Steph after the signing, the, the tweets that they sent out where they were like, just in case anybody was wondering, here are all the teams that made offers. No, it was like several teams. It was like, here's all the teams that made offers to Kelly Oubre Jr. And then here's all the teams that were interested in Kelly Oubre Jr. It's like the 1996 Bulls wanted to sign Kelly Oubre Jr. They were going to, Michael Jordan was going to get in a fucking DeLorean, go to the future, into 2021, just so we could bring back Kelly Oubre Jr. to lead the Bulls to another championship. God bless bless that whole agency and all the people that work there. Um, okay, we've Chip, now Chip. I have a question before we let you go. Yeah, sure. how disappointed are you that Melo didn't come back? You know, I, at first I was slightly disappointed. I'll, I'll admit that, but in the end, like I, I was like, yeah, it would have because we talked about this. I was mm-hmm. like, it, it would have hurt him. In the long run, yeah. in terms of his his legacy with the Knicks, are you because, able to? Well, so, no, sorry to cut you off, but like, are you the Knicks fan that can't root for the Lakers? Like, I know there's there's that Knicks fan out there that hates the Lakers that it's impossible. But now you're able to root for Melo. Oh, I can root for Melo no matter. Okay, what. as long as it's yeah. not okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm not as anti Laker yeah. hater as like. Boston, Miami, those are the teams I'll always yeah. hope they lose every game. I'm but. glad he went. I'm glad. Oh, my God. If he went to Miami, I couldn't have rooted mm-hmm. for them to win a championship. Well, even Brooklyn. Like, I'm really glad I don't have to even yeah. contradict myself And if he went to Brooklyn. Because that's where I thought he'd end up. Which, not to get too personal into his life, because I don't know any of this. But what's happening with him and Lala might have had something to do with him staying on the West Coast. Yeah. Because she lives on the East Coast, I yes. guess. Right? I think yeah. zero she's, idea what you're talking about. Uh, he and his wife Lala Anthony are getting a divorce. Oh, so, oh that's yeah, bad. which is sad, but it's, that's sad. I so again, 
half-assed internet research, reckless speculation here. I'm not sure if she's all still shooting that show on stars. So I think that ended. That power? ended. So then, power ended, oh, power yeah. did end. That's right. So then, she's I an actress. Yeah, she's an actress. Mm-hmm. She was on a show called Stars, and she was on 106 in Park for a while. I think I knew that. I didn't. I didn't know. That, oh, okay. We don't. Know I about take about when she was on Mello, a lot of. She was on a lot of shows. She, I okay. take she's when Mello was a free agent in 2014, where everybody was like, "He's going to Chicago. He's going to uh, Phoenix. He's going to Houston." It's like. His wife is shooting a very popular TV show. They have a like a five year old. He's gonna resign with the Knicks. He's just seeing if there's a pipe dream that LeBron would come to. LeBron went back to Cleveland. Melo signed for as much money as possible. Enter Phil Jackson. The, I man, all the blame went on Melo instead, though. Of course, yeah, of course. Pick I just, swap in 2016, uh, even though Phil Jackson was in charge of the roster. There are so many like alternate universes I wonder about with the Knicks over the last, mostly the last decade. The one where Melo signs with the Bulls, that's up there. Mm-hmm. That's that's high yeah. up on the list. Knicks probably still tank in 2015. Still so probably end up top four pick, you know, and then they get Porzingis. And then who knows what that team looks like tanking again. The problem is they still had a pick swap in 2016. So it wouldn't have mattered if they tanked. Like, yeah, they would. No, but that was 2013, 14, 14. So that Melo's free agency was in 2015. Yeah, it was the end of the after the 2014 season. So the summer 2014, because then oh, 2014, okay. 15. All right, so they was the 17 win season that led to KP. And then they you. had a pick swap, right. which is the Jamal Murray draft. Yeah, but that wasn't until you said 2016. Right. So, so they would have had asking, an extra year to kind of get their shit together. Right. Theoretically. But they still it, their pick could have been swapped. So even if they wanted to tank, yeah, which is why I blame Phil more for 2016 than losing Jamal Murray and not the mellow trade that everybody alleges ruined the franchise because it no, gave it up one pick and one pick swap. It didn't ruin the fr- I'm just imagining an alternate universe where this summer went like this. Obi and the two firsts for Colin Sexton on draft uh, night signed Dennis Schroeder. Three years, sixty-six million dollars to be your backup point guard or starting point guard along Sexton. I don't even know. You know, and, why would and, you uh, sign both of them? And yeah. then, and then, and then Melo comes back and uh-huh. he's, he's your backup powerful man. Colin Sex, Colin Sexton, and Dennis Schroeder. I have fighting talked, over the ball like Will and Carl. I have talked myself into <laughs> many, many a thing over the years with this that, franchise. That would have been fun to watch on free agency night. If all of this happens and you're talk- you're like, you know what? Mello on a bat. He's older. He's wiser. I we- think the Schroeder Mello chemistry. <laughs> we're really underrating the, the synergy possibilities here. You know? I think Sexton can learn a lot from Mello. You know, yeah. Mello really grew up and he's- Sexton. <laughs> and Jeremy just logs off. <laughs> All right. On that note, um, we okay, Chip. I got to kick out. Um, right. this, this is loading up on pods here, um, Chip. Uh, before I let you go, tell tell the folks at home uh, where they could find uh, you and your stuff. Sure. Thank you very much for having me on oh. again, guys. Thank you, man. Yeah, and you can find me on Twitter at Chip Murphy Seven, and follow Knicks Fan TV, and follow these guys, Knicks Film School. These guys are the best. Yeah. Look at you. Who, who else? Who else? When I ask them to promote themselves, is like, no, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna shout you out. <laughs> Madness. Um, you're the man. Uh, ch- you're, listen, your stuff is great. Um, I don't know a better person out here on on the internet. Uh, you're you're uh, an absolute the best of uh, the best that they come. You're so thank kind, you, John. That's no, true, man. You know it. Um, thanks for coming on, and everybody out there. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Next Film School podcast. We'll be back with you. Uh, more fun and games very soon.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.